enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed Pastor Bob back there living up. It's always good to see him. He tries to come out and look Kevin in the eyes and do that guitar duo thing, and Kevin just looks the other way. So I saw, I saw, and then Pastor Greg on the drums. Man. And what I realized is, is I am incomplete as a pastor in this house because I have no musical gifting. And it's probably because I grew up with hip-hop music and y'all grew up with rock and roll and there was, you know, nothing to really imitate there, being from Manford. So, so uh, anyways, I say that to say it's been a good morning already. I, um, I enjoy, Pastor Greg was having a lot of fun. I like this smile on the drums, looking like a little kid back there, so... I'm thankful. You're the youngest? That's something to be proud of, Kev, for sure. I don't... With the, barely, barely, they're saying. You have an equal amount of gray as everyone but Pastor Bob, because he has no hair, so. All right. I got to get my jabs in when I get the mic. Um, it's probably why you don't see me as much, so. But... Uh, I love God on Film. I'm so honored to be able to be a part of it the last few years. I enjoyed uh, Breakfast Club, loved Sandlot last week, and then this week I get the opportunity to do a movie that I've been trying to do for a couple years now, um, and it is, I'll just tell you outright, it's the lamest movie on the <laughs> list. Some of y'all are shaking your head because the reviews I got, some of you came up last week and you're like, I made it 15 minutes into that movie, and then I turned it off. JL, I, I walked in her office for something completely unrelated, and she took that time to vent and let me know that last night, the night before, she tried, she tried to watch it, and she said she absolutely hated it, and she turned it off. Uh, and so this is, this is my Nebraska. If you remember when Pastor Greg, if you've been with us for a while, he preached a movie called Nebraska. He preached it so well, I went home, I watched that movie thinking it would be incredible because the message was... And I was bored out of my mind watching this old guy walk around with a ticket for a free car or a million dollars or whatever just to find out that it was a baseball cap instead. So um, this movie is one that I watched. I worked at a video store in high school, and so that was like the best job. I worked there for like five years from eighth grade to my senior year. Um, your video store, you remember, yeah, you remember me being in there. And so it was great because all I did was watch movies and got paid for it. And so I watched everything. And that's probably the only reason I ever watched this movie uh, because it's about birding. It's about bird. Yeah, that's, it. that's the response I expected. <laughs> it's about birds. And uh, I just had watched everything else in there because what else are you going to do when you work a 12-hour shift at a video store? And I put this one in because Jack Black's in it. Steve Martin's in it. Owen Wilson makes a great complimentary character to others. And so I was like, this has got to be legendary. I love Jack Black. Nacho Libre's, you know, one of the best. And, and Steve Martin, of course, and OG, one of, the, one of the greats. And so you watch this, and it's like not them at all. Like, it's not that funny. I like Jonah Lindley's review the most. Clayton told me Jonah came up to him and said, that movie is the most okayest movie I've ever seen. <laughs> And I agree with that, but for whatever reason, it, 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 it spoke to me then, and it still speaks to me. And like I said, the last two years, like I, I've, I've tried to do this movie, and, and, and I just couldn't figure it out. And this year, I just told Pastor Kevin, like, I'm just going to do it. I had no idea what I was going to do with it. 
Uh, and it took a while. It was a lot of wrestling uh, to figure out what to minister on. But I think, um, I think it's going to help you this morning. So I'm excited for that. And so I'm going to read you a quick intro. And we'll play the uh, first clip, which introduces all of our characters uh, good thing is, is I'm not going to minister to you on the various types of birds. Uh, I, just to be honest, if there's any bird people in here, I'm, pro- I'm not really going to mention the birds at all because I don't care that much about the birds. It's not the point. It's not the point of the movie for me and watching it. Um, okay, here's the intro. Three men find that they have come to a turning point in their life. Stu, who's played by Steve Martin faces a late-life crisis. Kenny, who's played by Owen Wilson, is in the grip of a midlife crisis. And Brad, who's played by Jack Black, is wallowing in a no-life crisis. Determined to kickstart their stagnant and boring lives, Stu, Kenny, and Brad decide to enter a prestigious contest. And during the course of one calendar year, the three friendly rivals crisscross North America in a quest to count more species of birds than anyone else. Mark, you can play that first clip. The North American programmer will be in Texas just a few pounds. But the task is difficult. He has a demanding job, a brutal schedule, precious little willpower, and an all-consuming secret life. Yo, big bad Brad. Mm. What you like to Um. Thank you. 
where he persistence in his migrating instinct into late adulthood. Am I not seeing Maybe I should do my figure next year. It might make more sense. No. Go do it now, Stu. Carpe Adam. Seize the... Year. So that's it? Complete support? You're not even going to try to stop me? Stu, I love you, and I will miss you dearly when you're away. But you have been dreaming about this since you were a little boy, and I am not going to stand between you and your greatest passion. Would you turn in your Bible to Proverbs chapter 29? What this clip is about for me, what this movie is about for me, is I see three men who are running or have run from their purpose. And so when I watched this when I was a sophomore, junior, whenever that was, 2011, it's hard to remember back then, it just spoke to me then. In fact, I'll admit to you, I cried watching the bird movie, uh, and of course I did. I tried to get it all out of the way because I didn't want to be up here crying over some dumb bird movie. Um, but it speaks to me about three people who have a purpose in life and, and, and they've had excuses up to this point for why not accomplishing it and why not doing it. And I think that it's just so relevant for the time we are because the church and this hour should be shining like never before. And there are so many things holding us back from, from, uh, uh, from becoming the, the full representation of who Jesus is in the world. And it's only our responsibility to do so. And so when I look at these three characters, they all have their excuses for why they haven't done anything. You got, you got Brad, who's played by Jack Black, and, and he you know, hasn't done anything with his life. He's a loser. He has $5,000 to his name. He's failed everything. And, and he has a long list of excuses for why not doing it. He doesn't have the money. He's not financially funded. And then you got, you got Stu, who, 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 who's a big corporate man, and he's wasted his life. He spent his entire life investing in something that didn't really fulfill him and wasn't really his purpose and didn't really drive him. And he's committed his life to this, and he was just waiting for the day he retired. And even in the moment he retires, you see him come home to his wife and question everything once again. Procrastination, putting it off, putting it off. Should I just wait till next year? And then you come to Owen Wilson, who thinks that his purpose in life is to be the best birder in the world. And, and he compares it to, you know, uh, Lance Armstrong and all these big greats. And the reality of it is, is his purpose is standing right there in front of him and he can't even see it. And so all these men, in one way or another, due to the trauma, due to the things that they've been through, due to their life experience, what they were conditioned to believe growing up, are running from the thing that they were designed by God to do. 
at various points in the movie, it, it, I'm, I'm kind of glad I picked a boring movie because one of the things that's plaguing the church and it's not talked about is the church is bored. Like for real, honestly, when I, when I see a majority of church people, I think, man, they look like they're really bored with this. Is it okay? Can, can you handle? And when I look for examples for young people to imitate, one of the things that young people will not imitate is they will not imitate a bored life. And so no wonder we have, we have people fleeing the church rampantly when they, when they turn 18, and no wonder we have people getting caught up in these crazy ideas because at least there's passion represented in the LGBTQ plus community. At least they're excited about what they believe in. At, at, at least they, they, they believe and, and look as though they believe and, and live as though they believe. And, and we come together in here, and there's just a lot of people just bored. Just bored, man. Just sitting in here consuming, consuming, consuming. And if we had a spiritual lens, we could look in. This isn't for any of you. This is second service, so you don't have to feel bad. <laughs> but if we had a spiritual lens that we could look through, what we would see is uh, that, that your inner man is, 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 is obese and gigantic, Enlarge, and your, and your inner man has taken up 18 rows because all you've done thus far, you've been saved for 45 years, and all you've done thus far is commit yourself to a church. And church commitment is very important, okay? Do not forsake the assembly. You're called to be a part of this place. You're called to Pastor Greg. You're called to the people building place. But there's purpose in what you do, and God has a plan for your life. And you're just as much a minister as anybody that ever steps foot in this platform. And the problem is, is, is that we have no vision individually for our life. And since we don't have vision and since we don't have purpose and since we can't see the future and know the destination that we're arriving to, we're just sitting on our hands waiting on something to happen. And we're bored. But we have time to get on Facebook and complain about the state of the world. And we have time to think we're theologians and argue with people that just want to argue. That's how I know you're bored. When you're doing Facebook quizzes that talk about your spirit animal and inwardly you're a Komodo dragon. You know what I mean? Like, bruh. If you're going to do that, don't post it to your wall and let the world see it. It's embarrassing. I also see like those, uh, uh, I, I, I wanted to do a public service announcement because people shared these all the time. No offense, it's typically the older generation. I want to help you out. Nobody's giving away an RV because the VIN number's not good. Like you share that post, there's not 100 RVs somewhere that you're going to win by sharing it. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? You've seen those? I want to comment and like help out or maybe I should just do it in a private message like, hey, Nobody's going to give away a $100,000 RV because something's wrong with the VIN. <laughs> and so we're just so dissatisfied. And so I just want to help today. Like, I want to bring purpose to your life because when you come into trial and when you come into a season where you, where you struggle, it's easy when things are going good to just be bored and sit on your hands. But when you come into a season where there's a battle ongoing and you're facing something and there's opposition, if you don't have vision for your life, you will not get through. Turn to the Bible. Look at Proverbs chapter 29. 
I gotta redeem this boring movie. <laughs> Some of y'all are gonna go home and watch it like, oh, this is horrible. <laughs> Look, Rotten Tomatoes put it above 50% so you know it ain't good. Rotten Tomato always gives good, decent ratings to movies that. Look at this. In verse number 18 of Proverbs 29, it says, where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. And what that word restraint means when you look at it is to let go of or to loosen, to let it slip. And so what that tells me is, is that if we don't have vision for our lives, if we don't know what we've been created by God to do, and not only, sometimes we know it, but not actively pursuing it and engaging with it, and that being the priority of our life, regardless of our career or where we're at or, or, or what we're talking about, if that is not the emphasis, what that tells me is, is that I get lazy. I just let it go. I get loose. And that's the two biggest problems as a pastor when I look at the church in what is wrong with it is that they're lazy and bored. I just knew it wouldn't be popular. Like, <laughs> lazy, and uh, lazy and bored, like that's it. Like that's our two biggest problems. And I, I can diagnose those things for you and I'm telling you this morning it's because you don't see the big picture. You don't have vision. You're not seeing it clearly. You think that it's up to Pastor Greg to do it. You think it's up to the person next to you to do it. You think it's up for the yeah. people going to the Dominican to do it, and you don't have anything for your life, so you just come in here, you hear a little message, pick up your Bible a couple times a week, listen to a podcast, turn on some worship music, and that's the extent of your existence. And you're miserable day in and day out. And I love you. I share Pastor Greg's heart as one of his under shepherds in this house for you. And so I'm willing to tell you that being bored and lazy will not fulfill you ever. You're never going to be fulfilled. Let me read that again. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Because if we don't realize what destination we're arriving to, we, we, we never take a step. And oftentimes when you begin to talk about vision and, and, and people get into the prophetic and they begin to talk about, well, like, I, I, I don't know what I'm called by God to do. I don't know my purpose in this life. Like, I don't know what God created me to do. And we're so focused on getting specifics that we deny simple obedience to what we've already been commissioned to do. And there's people in the house today that are wondering what the next step is and they're trying to move forward when God's calling them to go back to the place where they disobeyed in the first place. Because if God can't trust you with the small assignment, he's not gonna give you a platform to do anything bigger. Would you turn in your Bible to Matthew 28? I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you because I hear people saying, I need a word. I need a word, bring, and you know, we get so excited when prophets come in and speak to me. Somebody gets a prophetic word, we're envious, we're like, God, I want direction, give me that. Let me help you have simple obedience. Let, let, me, let me share with you what you are created by God to do in this moment, and I don't need a prophet to confirm it. Matthew 28. Verse number 18, 
Wow, we've heard this before. It's like the ABCs of the Bible. Matthew 28, verse number 18. And Jesus came to them and said to his disciples, speaking to them in the moment, but speaking to us now, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. And so I don't need to ask Daniel, who, who, who operates in the prophetic, to come up and confirm this word because it's right here. Yes. And the word of God is supreme. And so what I can tell you is, is that every person under the sound of my voice is called to do this, and this will fixate and help you to focus is every person in this room, if you're born again, has the ability to mentor and disciple and to pour into someone. And there's a lot of people in here that, that, that feel called to ministry even, and they feel called to, to, to ministry and, and, and to teach, and, and they see themselves preaching, but yet, my friend, the, the, the first thing that happens is, is you make disciples, you're like, I don't, I don't know how to teach. I don't, I don't know how to, you know, share. I don't, I don't know who to talk to. When I first got born again, I didn't, first of all, never wanted to do ministry. In fact, most of the time when I talk to ministers, that's, the, that's who God uses, people that didn't want to use ministry. It always freaks me out when young people get, young guys get saved and like, put me in the pulpit. I'm like, there's something off there, bro. Like, God usually uses those that say no. <laughs> Because it's not you, and you realize that from the beginning. And so I, I, I got saved, and I was in the high school, and I just, I just loved God so much. I wanted to do something, and so I had this great idea. I was going to do a Bible study in the high school gym, uh, uh, and, and I was going to teach the Bible. Well, what I found out in that season is although I was only saved for six or eight months, I, I, I didn't know how to study the Bible, and so I couldn't teach it. And so this is literally what I did. I would sit in the gym, and like 30, 40 people would show up because... The guy that was, you know, doing pot last year and at all the parties last year was leading a Bible study and it was comical, whatever reason. I don't know why they showed up, but they showed up. And I would just, like, open up Ephesians and I began to, like, read it to him. And then I'd try to, like, talk about it and I could only talk about what, like, I physically read. And so I just, like, reworded the verse and was like, yeah, yeah, that's good. And then moved on. And so I had a Bible study and the reality of it was I just read the Bible. <laughs> But you know what that did? Because I was obedient to what God, and I'm not, I'm just, I'm just saying these things to help you. What that did for me is that the, the, the fruit of that and the confidence of that, and what happened was is I learned how to partner with the Holy Spirit to become a more effective minister in those moments, and greater reliance happened on him. And because I was obedient in the small things, opportunity came to go to the backside of the wilderness and, and go to Oilton with Pastor Kevin and do youth ministry out there. I call Oilton the backside of it. It's like my eat. It's like... Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days, you know what I'm talking about. Paul was in, the, in Arabia for three years. I was in Oilton for a year and a half. And y'all thought I left the church, and there was moments when I thought about it. Oilton was hard for me. Did not understand those kids. But I was obedient in the small thing, and it led to that because I just had a heart for people. Can I give you another problem? in the church is like the entire ministry of Jesus as people and the church doesn't give a crap about people most of the time. I'm sorry to use such strong language, but I think it needs to be said. So many of us disregard and don't value people and you're plugged into the people building place. 
entire mission. There's no point. And, and, and that's why you're miserable. And that's why you're not fulfilled. And that's why you're not enjoying what you're doing. What if I told you that the job is not your problem? The career that you're in is not your problem. Like you can just keep hopping around and find better opportunities and it's never gonna satisfy you. It's never gonna fulfill you. It's not the job. It's not the boss. It's not even the fellow coworkers. It's, it's the realization that you don't have vision for your life and you don't understand why you're there in the first place. You don't realize that God calls you to people. He calls you to people. Whether he sends you to a place, whether he sends you to a job, no matter where he sends you, he calls you to people. And we get so wrapped up in the process like they are on the video, and we get so caught up in our excuses. Stu was a corporate guy, spent his whole life just wasted, waiting to retire. Waiting to retire. Making excuses, maybe next year, maybe next year. And a lot of people do that, and then they just die. Just to be honest with you. A lot of people never accomplish what they were designed by God to do, and it's because they never gained vision for their life. Well, here it is, my friend. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. You don't have to wait on a pastor to give you permission to do it. You don't have to wait on Pastor Gray to give you a thumbs up. Why? Because Jesus has authorized it right here in his word. He's commissioned you, and that means if he's commissioned you, then he has also given you the, everything that is needed to fulfill the commission. And so you have the ability to pour into others. You have the ability to raise up disciples, and, and, and that's ministry. It's every person's call. It's every person's goal. I want to show you, hey, Mark, can you put that pick up? I haven't ever talked to the wall like they have, so it's just like a faith thing. Like, hopefully they're listening. Okay, this is, her name's Joanne. I'm going to try not to get emotional with this story because this is about my mama. Um, I'm weak for my mama. And so this is Joanne. So a couple years back, my grandma passed away. We loved my grandma. Uh, and anyways, one day my mom calls me, and I was here. I just got in the office, and her brother, by choice, chooses to live on the streets. She's tried to help him, and so he's homeless, and so he chooses to live on the street. And he's a real rough character. He used to have 666 tatted on his forehead like crazy like stuff, and he's not that hardcore anymore, mainly because he's wore out his body and kind of busted up these days. But my mom called me and said, hey, I'm going to go to this homeless camp. This is my mother calling me. I'm going to go down to this homeless camp today because I need to take my brother some clothes. He won't let me get him a hotel. He won't do anything. And so I'm going to go take him some clothes. So I bought him some car and stuff, and she's going. And look, this is my mom, okay? And I'm like, mama, there is no way that you are going to go <laughs> to some homeless camp by yourself I mean, in my mind, just to be honest with you, I'm like, Mom, they're homeless. They have nothing to lose. Like, like you, they could steal your car. They could hurt you. I'm like, I'm not letting you go there. And so I'm, 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 I'm telling her, no, you're not going to do that. I don't want you to do that. That makes me uncomfortable. And she's not biting on it. And so I just persuade her. I said, fine, well, I'm coming with you, and I'm going to bring a piece with me just in case things get hairy. <laughs> I'm like, ain't nobody messing with my mama. Like a homeless camp, man. It doesn't sound like the safest place in the world. None of y'all, I mean, nobody's taking a vacation there or anything. And so I hop in the car, go with mom. I'm on edge the whole time. I'm acting like I'm 6'4", 250. You know, I'm like puffing my chest, getting ready. <laughs> I decided, by the way, to not bring a piece because I was like, you know what? I'm not the biggest guy in the world. There could be strong homeless men that could overpower me. And then, so, yeah. 
So anyway, I show up, you know, walking around, letting them know who's the boss. This is my mom. And just amazed and humbled and, 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 and just completely touched. Because up to this point, I've never seen my mom have vision and walk in purpose other than me. A lot of you parents can relate to this, like your baby's your world, you know what I mean? And so mom's always been my biggest supporter. She's always, you know, and, and she, I feel like she's always just found her vision and her purpose for me. And no matter how many times I tell her, like, mom, you were created to do more. Like, you have gifts on the inside of you that God wants to use. Like, I hadn't seen it come to pass. And we're just down there, and I get to see my mom loving on, you know, my uncle, who's a really rough character. And then we meet Joanne, who's also living on the street. She has to use a wheelchair to get around most of the time. Uh, anyways, to fast forward, um, it was really cold. My mom's relationship with her brother fell out, and, and she stayed in touch with Joanne because she just had a really big heart for Joanne. And she worked really hard to get Joanne into um, uh, apartment housing, you know, get her off the street because she has Social Security. She has all these different things. Like, she has means, and she doesn't have to be homeless, but she doesn't know how to do that stuff. And so I got to watch my mom, like, fight on behalf of this woman who had just been forgotten about and left to the side. She's a widow. She didn't have anybody to take care of her. And, and most recently, like, three months ago, we were at the house, and it was Joanne's birthday. <sighs> it was Joanne's birthday. Sorry, <clears throat> I tried to. It was Joanne's birthday, and we all showed up and got her gifts and just got her simple stuff, chocolate, Pepsi, you know, that kind of stuff, some clothes. And I just got to watch as Joanne sat in my mom's living room and bawled and just cried and, and almost in a scream because she felt so loved say, I love you, Anna. And just feel so loved and accepted in that moment and just watching that. You know, that moment of like, mom, this is what you were designed by God to do. You know what I'm saying? This is what you were created by God to do. Like your purpose isn't me. It was me for a season, but it's not anymore. Like your purpose is wrapped up in helping people, serving people, loving people. And I just got to watch this beautiful moment. Now she's my new grandma. She was there on 4th of July for the fireworks. And, them, and it's just this, this, this beautiful picture of, of someone's eyes being opened to the reality that they were created by God with like a specific purpose and a specific function. And it's always on behalf of others. Your purpose is tied to people. And so as a believer, you never get to say, I'm not a people person or I hate people. Like that's never something that can come out of a believer's mouth because the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of the one who you have yoked yourself with and become one with spiritually is people. Yeah. Is people. And, and, and maybe you're dissatisfied and maybe it's bored because your life has been wrapped up in you. It's been wrapped up even in your family. It's been wrapped up in building your kingdom. And you're spending your life wasting it on things that really don't matter. And you're making up a million excuses. We all got excuses we can use. 
We all have things that we can use as a crutch that people will pat our back and say, you're right, baby, you're broken, you're hurt. But the word's still there. The word's still there. You were still designed by God to create disciples, to make ministers, to be a servant to mankind. And, 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 and the same way that, 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 that my mom's eyes were open, I'm just believing to God right now in this moment that people's eyes would be open to the fact that they are ministers that they are designed by God to do something and that they don't need a pulpit. They don't need a platform to make an impact in the world, but you can make just as much of an impact, if not more, just by investing your life simply in the people around you. Can I help you? Because so many people are, 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 are not doing what they're designed to do because there's somebody in their ear telling them why they can't do it. That was me to my mother. I said, you're not going down to that homeless camp. It's dangerous. Mom, they could have dirt like shanks and stuff. I don't know what they're gonna do to you. And I was the voice to my mother saying, no, 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 because I love her. But my love was hindering her from her purpose. And sometimes there's people in your ear that you love very much telling you things. And because of your love for them, you've placed their voice over God's voice unintentionally. And you're not doing what you were created by God to do. Because you have, you have this, this ill idea of what family is. Can I, can I read something to you? Can I help you? Are you with me still? Okay. Wait, will you turn to um, Matthew 12? I love this. this. This helps me. Matthew 12 and verse number 46. Let's look there. While he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside and asked him to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And stretching out his hand towards the disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. And then he says this in verse number 50. Catch this. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. Amen. Did you know that when you got born out of the kingdom of darkness and born into the kingdom of light, not only did Jesus change your entire uh, being and everything died and everything became brand new, but it's your family changed as well? Yes. Yes. Some of you are not going to like this. Some of you are going to love this. It depends on what side of the street you come from. Because there's an unhealthy idolization of family sometimes that happens. Hear me out. Jesus calls us to take care of our family. I'm not telling you to be deadbeat, all right? There's scriptures on that too that we can read. But what I'm telling you is, is that when the opinions of your family and the obligations of those things hinder you from your purpose and your design, you're in error. And you can make an idol out of something that is good and it can prevent you from achieving what is on the inside of you to achieve. And so Jesus redefines the family here. He said, hey, your mom's outside. This is brutal. This is, this is the kind of teachings of Jesus that they, that they don't talk about in Sunday school. Your mom's outside. Your brother's outside. Like the fam's here, little, little get together. He said, hold on. Who is my mom? Who is my dad? They're the people that do the will of God with me. And so in this moment, it's the people I'm with. It's not those that are outside the door. 
So what, is, what does that mean? It, it, it means that you have a new family structure and that it's okay for the people to, that are closest to you, the ones doing the will of God alongside you, like that is your family structure in the kingdom. Does that mean your brother's not your brother? No, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm just saying you have to get away from this, this, this idolization of, of my, my, my family's not with it. The opposition in the first clip, uh, uh, Brad's dad, calling him a bum, telling him he's crazy. Listen, people around you should think that you're crazy when you're doing what God has designed you to do. If your dreams don't throw people off and make them second guess like what, what you're doing, then they're not the God dream. Like when, when you're passionate about something and you're giving, and that's what I love about this movie because it's three dudes that are obsessed with birds and they're weird and outcast and like, what? If, if somebody called me and said, hey, you want to go watch birds this weekend? I'd be like, heck no. No. Unless they're bald eagles and they're like tearing something apart, hunting a a deer or something. <laughs> I'll watch that. But I'm not going to go watch some scissor tail sit in a tree. But, but they'll, they are weird. And they face opposition for it the entire time. Dad doesn't get it. You bum. Do something with your life. Stu's employees that he's raised up, the, the ones taking over the company, they don't get it. They don't understand. It's just birds. It's just birds. And that's the way people view your calling. Like, dude, it's just church. It's just Jesus. It's not that serious. And what are we doing? We're just sitting here on our hands, bored, breathing in the AC. Time after time, Sunday after Sunday, coming in, engaging with it. That's not the heart of Pastor Greg. That's not the heart of this house. He wants to empower you to do what you were designed by God to do. And there's more in you. There's more in you. You're like, well, I don't even know who to pour into. Listen, there are people in your life. There's people in this church, first of all. Some of, you, y'all know some of y'all been saved longer than I've been alive? <laughs> I won't look at anybody in the eyes right now. I'll look ahead. Some of, y'all been, some of y'all maybe have been born again twice as long as I've been alive. <laughs> Pastor Kevin has not. We know his testimony. Still kind of fresh. <laughs> Still kind of fresh. <laughs> well, some of y'all, and, and, and your excuse now is, well, I've wasted too much time. No, 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 no. God's in charge of the clock. He redeems the time. He can, super, he, can, he can speed things up. He can put you in the place that you have denied being. If you would just obey, be simply obedient to the commission that he's called you to, to make disciples. Well, who, who do I look for? Listen, there's tons of people that come in here all the time. Faces that you don't recognize. I'm talking to the OGs of the house at this point. Faces you don't recognize. Perfect opportunity for you to link up. And say, that means get together, Sorry. Perfect opportunity for you to get together over some coffee <laughs> and to just simply, not, with, with, with nothing but love for the individual, nothing but a heart for them, and wanting them to become who God's destined them to be and just conversate, fellowship, allow what's in you to get on them, inspire. You got people at your work that annoy you. You got people that are drawn to you at your work that constantly annoy you, but for whatever reason, they're attached to you and they're not even believers. Did you know that you can disciple them too? 
You can pour into them and invest in them in, in, in a way that they would want to know what makes you different and eventually it would lead them to being a part of the church and it would lead them into the kingdom, but it just starts with you caring about the individual. But no, 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 you're gonna punch the clock and you're gonna go home and do what you always do. You're gonna watch five more hours of Netflix and you're gonna get on Facebook and complain that you never have time to do anything. I'm talking to me too, okay? <laughs> but where there's no vision, we cast off restraints. Where there's no vision, we get bored. Where there's no vision. You see, some, some of you have, have a prayer life and an inconsistent word life, and I've been in this place because you didn't have the vision. You didn't know why. What's the purpose in me doing this? The purpose in you being full and the purpose in you engaging and being with Jesus is that you would overflow and it would get on other people. And so you're taking in and you're taking in and you're taking in and you're never giving out and as a result, you're not growing. As a result, you're not, you're not being challenged. You're, you're not transitioning and transforming into anything. And you just get to this place where you're content. You're just content. Well, I'll just help out at the church. I'll just do that for 30 years. But have you ever made a disciple? Have you ever invested your life into somebody? You understand that like when you poured your life into somebody, like you stand before Jesus, like, like you're, you get credit for everything that they put their life to as well. It's better to invest in others than even to invest in yourself because when I pour into somebody else, when I help raise up a minister, when I help disciple and bring, bring somebody into the faith, anything that they do from that point on, it brings glory to Jesus. And I get to stand before Jesus and see the impact. You still with me? Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate you. <laughs> you get to see the impact. Some of you, you, how many times have we heard the old prophetic words, I'm, I'm called to preach the thousands. I see myself in a stadium full. Not very many people actually ever stand in a stadium. And minister. Kansas City Chiefs don't, you know, they don't, they don't call pastors up very often and say, hey, at the halftime performance, would you like to share the gospel? Could you talk about wickedness in the streets and... Like, they don't, they don't do that. Like, that doesn't happen to very many. Billy Grahams are, are, are rare, but maybe the stadium that you see in your heart is a stadium in heaven that's worshiping Jesus and the result of your obedience to raise up somebody that changes the world, somebody that transforms the nations. Why am I talking about this? Once again, I'm talking about this because the church is too bored. <laughs> And we cannot complain about a generation that we're doing nothing to reach. Would you turn in your Bible to the book of Jonah? You're like, is he going to play another clip? I have another clip, but we'll see if I get to it. Pastor Greg, set the pace. Turn in your Bible to the book of Jonah. I don't know if you've read the book of Jonah in a while, but the Lord brought me here as I was preparing for this film. And Jonah gets a calling from God, like the calling I'm giving to you all in this place. Besides, his was not in written form. His was because he was a prophet. The Lord spoke to him. 
in a word in verse number one. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee from the presence of God. And so as a result of his disobedience, Jonah was not experiencing the presence of God anymore. And, and here's the thing that we don't talk about with Jonah is, is we don't talk about the effect that it has when we do not do what we were designed by God to do. Because you think it's just affecting you. And it's not. Look what happens as he gets on the boat in verse number four. He's running away from God. You know where the story ends up. But look what happens as he gets in the boat in number four. It says, but the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so the ship threatened to break up. Verse five, then the mariners, uh, the, the boat dudes were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship. But Jonah had gone down in the inner part of the ship and had laid down and was fast asleep. And so he's just sleeping through. What's his remedy for avoiding the things of God? He's just gonna, he's gonna be lazy about it. Just try to close his eyes, not think about it anymore. The calling of God on my life, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna distract myself. I'm just gonna keep myself from it. And we know later that he had an excuse. He did not like the people that he was called to preach to. That's what he complained about in the end. He said, God, I didn't wanna go in the first place because I knew you'd be good to them and they would repent and I wanted you to kill them. <laughs> God's gonna call you to preach to the people that you wanna strangle. God's going to call you to love the people that you just want to punch them in the face every time you see them. That was his excuse. I don't want to go to them. They're bad people. They've messed me up. They messed over my country. I don't like them. They've been bad to me. That's what you find out in the end. Jonah was asleep in the inner part. Verse number six. And so the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, sleeper? Arise and call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give you a thought to us that we may not perish. And so what happens as a result is that you not answering the calling God has on your life directly affects those around you. It causes chaos. There's people in your life that their life's not in order because you haven't answered the call. There's people in your life that things that you're responsible for. Is that too much? Is that, is, that, is that too much? Like you're responsible for people. Nobody else is sharing the gospel with the world if it isn't you. If it's not the church, if it's not the people of God, if it's not the people that are called to be his body, nobody else is going to do it. It has direct calling. And then what happens is, as we go on and we find out, obviously, the tragic thing happens and he gets eaten by a giant fish or a whale. Crazy story. I'm not going to say if you abandon your calling, you're going to get eaten by fish. You could. There's some pretty big catfish in Keystone Lake. (laughs) Might happen. I don't know. Y'all go to Destin a lot. There's some big fish out there. You know what I mean? Some of y'all vacationing away from Jesus way too much. Might just get swallowed up (laughs) when you're swimming out there. But what happens is, is when he's in the belly of the well is... He's in isolation. He's depressed. He's cut off. Maybe the cure for your depression is not a prescribed medication. Maybe the cure for your depression is not some crazy demonic name that the doctor gives you. Maybe the cure for your depression is just going back and being obedient to what God said to do in the first place. Can I, can I talk from my heart for a minute? Can I be vulnerable with you? 
when I was going through divorce, the, the pain and the feelings of, of not knowing. Like, I had never done ministry alone. Got married at 18. My entire relationship with Jesus was, was with someone present. And you just have a vision. Some of you know what I'm talking about. We're talking about some real stuff in here. You just have this vision, a plan for your life, and then when it doesn't look how you thought it was going to look, the devastation of that. Some of you maybe are here. Some of you have been here, so you can relate. It's like, God, it does not look how I thought it was going to look. It doesn't look how I thought you promised me it would. Once again, thought. <laughs> I guess it just isn't. This isn't what this isn't what I signed up for. Yes. This isn't what it looked like. And what happened in that in that time period is I sank in and battled. I didn't know it was called that. And thank God I didn't know it was called that. But I was dealing with depression. <laughs> Just to be real with you, I was dealing I didn't know. You have no energy, you're drained. Just like Jonah, want to sleep. <laughs> You, you, you don't feel correctly. I'm, sh- I'm being vulnerable because this is to get some people free in the room. Because some of you don't feel properly. Your emotions dominate you or they're just non-existent. Because you hurt so bad in one season that you turned it all off. And I was just like stuck. I felt stuck in this place as a pastor. <laughs> As somebody that sits under Pastor Greg, I just felt stuck in this place. And you know what God used to keep me going? You know what God used to, to, to convince me not to give up? And I mean, I was dreaming of Florida too. I was like, I could just start all over, take my account, run away, start all over. Not a very big account, but at least I'm good for a few months. I'll eat good for a few months and die. Like the widow told Elijah, we'll eat this and die. But you know what he used? He, uses, he used the faces of the people I was called to. And no matter how many times I felt disqualified, and no matter how many times I felt like I couldn't do it, and no matter how many times I felt broken, incomplete, like a failure, ashamed, condemned, all these things, no matter how many times I felt that way, it was those faces. It was those faces. It was, what's going to happen to Daniel Garner? What's going to happen to these people that I've entrusted to you? And not only was it those faces, but in that trial, God began to reveal to me a bigger vision and assignments for later in my life. And so when I'd go to sleep tonight battling with thoughts of unworthiness and disqualification, when I was struggling through these things, I would just have these images of people. And I couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake it. I wrestled and I wrestled and I wrestled. And it hurt and I didn't want to feel and it was annoying. Like, God, just leave me alone, just like Jonah was trying to do. Just leave me alone. Let me be isolated. All the while, purpose, faces, 
calling? Why do you need vision? Because when you're opposed, when the enemy comes against you, when he tries to put depression on you, when the doctor tells you that your mind is broken and it's not wired properly and you need this and you need that, and, and, and when people you thought you were going to do life with forever all of a sudden aren't there, you need to know that you were still designed by God to do something significant. You were still designed by God to transform people's lives through the spirit that's on the inside. You were still designed by God to intentional. He didn't change his mind. What he spoke over Jeremiah, he speaks over you. Before you were in the womb, I knew you. I had plans for your life, not for bad, but for good, to prosper you. You got to know that in those moments. And there's people under the sound of my voice today that, 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 that feel disqualified and we have excuses for why we're not doing what we were designed by God to do. Look, we can sit around and we can say I'm divorced all day and we can say that I'm broken and I'm, I, I, I don't have the education I need or this or that or whatever. But at the end of the day, you're just making excuses and you're keeping yourself in the pit of the whale. When God has designed you to make a difference. And so, practically, what can be done? Practically, what can we do? You have to understand that you being intimate with Jesus, the reason every time a minister gets up and they talk to you about the word and they talk to you about uh, um, being intentional with Jesus, the reason they talk to you about that is because their job is to equip you, according to Ephesians 4, for the work of the ministry. As in every person I'm looking at right now, trying to do a quick glance of every person in the room, every person I'm looking at, the responsibility is to the, do the work of the ministry. But we understand, we understand that you can't do anything apart from him. That's Jesus' words. And so in order for you to be an effective minister and to do the work that God has assigned you specifically to do that nobody else is going to do is that you have to be in union with him. And so... What, what, what keeps you going? What keeps you going on those days when you're like, I just don't, uh, I'm just tired. I'm going to sleep in. I don't want to spend time with Jesus. What, what is it? It's understanding that you're not, just, you're not just getting intimate with Jesus for yourself, but that you have nothing to give to a world unless you first receive it from him. You have nothing to offer the broken people that you complain about all day long in your job system unless you're first with him. Did you ever think maybe you could be the solution to the, 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 the weird transgender issues in the world rather than just complaining about it? We see it. We've seen it at camp this year. People that identify as, as weird stuff. There's all kinds of creepy stuff out there. One time I preached a message and I was trying to think of an example that nobody in the room would struggle with and so I used, I used furry. I used that as an example. And somebody in the room was struggling with it. I don't, if you don't know what that is, you'll just have to Google it. Do not image it. Google, just Google. Information, not image. You're, that's your warning. Somebody was struggling with it. Do you ever think that maybe you could be the solution you could be a mentor. You could be somebody that pulls. You can, and, and what happens is, is when you put yourself, when you put yourself in that position of obedience, it puts this pressure and this healthy pressure on you 
to continually be interacting with Jesus because if you don't get something from God for the people that God has entrusted to you, then they're not gonna get anything. (laughs) And your spiritual state of being is no longer just affecting you, but it's affecting everybody around you. You need this in order to grow. You need this, you, you, you need people that you can pour your life into. And so who, who should we be looking for? This is, this is to empower you to do something. If you're sitting on your hands and you find yourself bored regularly, who is, just look around in the church, connect with people, but not just within the church. Look at your job, the annoying people that you think, I just hope they don't talk to me today. Those are the people that God has given. You're a light to them. There is something about you that is magnetic to that personality and you have the ability to influence them even if they don't believe what you believe. God's given you a, 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 a moment of significance in their life and you can interact with that. And then all of a sudden, maybe they wouldn't be so annoying because maybe they got saved. They got born again and you're like, wow, this guy is actually okay now that he's not a heathen. So while I'm not going to have Daniel come up or myself or Pastor Greg or anybody to just speak prophetic words over you, you do have words from God. You have specific assignments. You have things you were designed to do. And one of those things is creating disciples. And every person in this room, regardless of how long you've been born again, can do it. You're capable. I want to pray over you, and then at the end of service, ministers are going to come up, and they're going to be up here. If you need to be born again, if you need prayer for anything, listen, there is an answer to, to what you're experiencing, and his name is Jesus. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter how crazy your life's been. It doesn't matter what you're struggling with in this moment. His name is always Jesus. And so, Father, I just thank you for the people under the sound of my voice. I just thank you for their hearts. I thank you that they're just softened and pliable, Father. I thank you that this message would not cause condemnation, that the enemy would not twist it and make people feel condemned, but it would cause inspiration, God, that it would give birth to dreams and visions and purpose on the inside of people that have been stagnant and bored. And so, Lord, I just ask that you breathe upon them in this moment that you breathe life into this place, that you move uh, individually in their life as they're they're praying and and seeking you, God. I just thank you that it causes them to do something with what you have deposited within us. We thank you for your goodness. We give you all the honor and praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Amen. Ministers, if you'd come up front. At this time and everybody else, you are dismissed. Please don't leave without your needs being met.